Crossroads. I want a show of hands if you've been watching the Olympics the last two weeks. All right, I didn't think I was alone out there. I know my family and I, we've kind of settled in on an evening just to really enjoy the Olympics. My son's a little frustrated. His daytime programming has been interrupted. He no longer can watch Days of Our Lives. It's kayaking, and he's a little upset by that. But uh, he'll be back to Days of Our Lives tomorrow, I'm sure. You know, uh, one of the things I've really enjoyed about this year's Olympics, first of all, I always see our team USA. I love seeing them win gold and all the other things. But I've also really enjoyed watching the first time medalists for their country, like the swimmer from Tunisia, the first time ever to win a medal for his whole country. That's incredible. The Filipino weightlifter, man, she rocked it. I just love those moments. Those are really incredible. I mean, it's been some awesome athleticism on display and competition as well. Um, I have also really enjoyed watching some of the older athletes or even veteran athletes kind of mentoring the younger athletes. And I've also loved the way that the younger athletes have kind of idolized those older athletes, the older Olympics. There's that picture of Katie Ledecky at age nine standing next to Michael Phelps with a medal around his neck. I mean, that's a pretty cool picture. I also have really appreciated Simone Biles. I, I really respect her decision to put her mental health first. But even uh, equal to that, I've also enjoyed the teammate she's been over the past two weeks as she's cheered on those younger athletes and watched them get their gold medal. That's really, really cool. Um, Maybe the Olympics have inspired all of us, but I don't know that they've inspired all of us as much as this young girl named Chloe, whose parents have given us permission to share their Instagram story about her this morning. Check this out. there, my friends, is an Olympian in the making, right? Oh, man. I love that. You know, we all need someone to look up to, right? I've certainly appreciated the opportunity I've had the past two days with many from here at Crossroads in our community to be part of the Global Leadership Summit. And every year when I go, I'm inspired to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, certainly a better leader, hopefully a better communicator, a better pastor, by by listening and learning from those who are better at something than I am and, and to learn and grow from others. You know, spiritually speaking, we have someone to look to when it comes to pursuing a relationship with God that's deep and intimate, that's life giving, that is fruit bearing. And that is none other than Jesus himself. As we discussed last week, 
God created humankind so that we would enjoy all of the world that he had created. But even more importantly, God created humankind so that we would enjoy a relationship with him. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they were severed from their relationship with God because sin, disobeying God, that's the consequences. And that's true for them. And it's also true for us every time you and I sin. When we sin, we are separated from God, but Jesus came into this world to restore the relationship that we should have with God. And he did that by, first of all, taking the punishment for that sin, which is death, by dying on the cross in our place. That wasn't the end of the story. He came back to life. He resurrected. And what that means is he is now conquering sin and death. And he's offering us the opportunity to, to be restored back in relationship with God. That's good news. That's the gospel story. We're not just his friends, though. We're actually his children. When you and I come to realize that that is the only way to truly experience life and life to the fullest, we express faith in Jesus as our Savior, and we also surrender to him as our Lord. But Jesus is not just our Savior and our Lord. He's also our example. Jesus is the best example to follow in discovering how to live and how to love and truly to experience life to the fullest. We learn to live and love by following him. After providing a long list of people from scripture who have lived out their faith in in many different ways, the writer of Hebrews followed that list of these people with some pretty powerful and challenging words. Listen to what Hebrews 12, one through three reads. This is the message translation. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on? It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down and start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Last week, I shared that we have continued searching the Bible to try to discover how to learn to live and love like Jesus lived and loved. And we've discovered that the way to live and love like Jesus is by being with God, being with others, and by being sent. And today we're gonna drill down on what it looks like for Jesus when he was with God. Now, I'm not gonna spend much time on unpacking the biblical truth that Jesus is God. He is fully God. He is a part of what we call the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit are all equal yet distinct members of what we call the Godhead. So to say that Jesus was with God, it's kind of automatic, right? It's kind of like he gets a free pass, right? Well, that's true when we just think about Jesus being fully God. But what I wanted us to spend some time together today looking at when Jesus was fully human, how did Jesus, how was he with God then? Because I think that's where you and I can begin to relate to him and begin to learn from him. Today, I want you to understand that Jesus He was no less God while in the human flesh. But Philippians 2 says that he set aside that so that 
He could relate to humanity, but I think even more so that humanity could relate to him, even emulate him. There's a gospel writer, his name is Luke. He was a physician in the first century. And he spent time documenting the life of Jesus so that we'd have an accurate understanding and record of Jesus' life. He wrote the book of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And throughout the book of Luke, we just see that he seems to capture some really unique moments that about the life of Jesus. And one of those things that Luke seems to be fixated on is how Jesus spent time with God. It gets started really early in the life of Jesus. When he's 12 years old, he visits Jerusalem with his parents. They went there to worship according to the Old Testament law. And while they were there, they lost Jesus. I mean, this one that they were entrusted to parent here on earth, they didn't know where he was. I'll make a confession. I've lost a few kids in my day. Actually, specifically one. My son, Cade, we call him Houdini because literally from the time he could move outside the womb, we were always wondering where he was. It happened first when he was three years old. I got a call at the office where I was working. It was actually a policeman who said, your wife needs you, your son is missing. I drove the 30 minutes home to find out he had been missing for about 45 minutes. My wife was in a panic state. I was certainly there with her. And we searched our entire neighborhood and found him on a swing set in like three cul-de-sacs over. And when we found him, he was just swinging his little heart out. And what he said to us when we found him was like, mom and dad, you came back. Yes, we did. We did come back. That was the first of many searches for Cade. Uh, His elementary school had code purple. And what code purple was, was that Cade Heller is missing. In fact, when the principal came over the loudspeaker and said code purple, everybody went looking for Cade. Uh, They found him in a janitor's closet. They found him in a fifth grade classroom when he was in first grade. It's been quite an adventure. So I don't want to judge Mary Mary and Joseph. I've been in their shoes, right? Scripture says they had traveled a full day when they realized he was missing, which meant they had to travel another full day to get back to Jerusalem, right? And then they looked for him for three days. So the boy's been missing for five days at this point, right? Well, I love Jesus's reaction when they finally find him in the temple, sitting with the religious leaders. Look what he says in Luke 2, 49 through 52. He says, why were you searching for me? Like, mom and dad, you came back. It's kind of how I read that, right? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Some translations say, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. I wonder, could it be that Jesus' decision to be with God, even at age 12, was what led to his maturity, his stature, his favor with God, his favor with man? Fast forward to when Jesus was an adult. Luke continues to highlight this pattern of behavior of Jesus being with God. In Luke 5, 16, Luke records, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. In chapter six, Luke says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him. He chose 12 of them whom he had also designated apostles. Jesus pursued a relationship with God by spending time with him. I think we often think there has to be some special music 
or some special environment or some mystical feeling that equates us being with God. But when you kind of look at Jesus' life, what you notice is it's just normal. It's consistent. It's authentic. It's simple. It's just this interaction with God like your best friend. You know, I've really enjoyed watching The Chosen. Many of you may be familiar with The Chosen. The Chosen is one of the first multi-episode event uh, television series that just portrays, portrays the life of Jesus. Uh, Dallas Jenkins is the, the, the one who created it. And it's all uh, common sourced. I mean, it's, it's funded by people just who are willing to commit and make a donation to that. In fact, it was the highest crowdsourced uh, television series ever uh, the first season was. What I love about The Chosen, it just portrays Jesus as an everyday guy. Somebody that you'd like to be with and hang out with. Somebody that you would try to be like because he feels real. He feels authentic. He feels just a normal human being. I love how it's captured Jesus praying. I love how it's captured Jesus reciting scripture that he's memorized. I love how it portrays Jesus worshiping. Just being an authentic person who's pursuing God as fully human, not just fully God. I think it's somebody that we can learn from, learn how to be with God. That's exactly why Jesus came, to show us how, to make a way for us to do just that. As we continue through the Gospel of Luke, we see that Jesus taught others how to be with God. One of my favorite moments is Luke 10, where Jesus is visiting the home of Mary and Martha, who we also know has an older brother named Lazarus. These are close personal friends of Jesus. If you want to look there with me, it's Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Listen to this moment that Luke records. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And there's only one indeed. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. I think many of us can relate to Martha. We look at other people and, and the relationship they have with God, and we feel like they're wasting time. Man, how you and I are missing out. Jesus puts an exclamation point on what Mary chose. Mary chose being with God over doing for God. She focused on the one thing that she knew was the source of everything else. She chose to spend time with the one person who loved her more than anyone else. She chose to focus on the words of life, and Jesus affirmed her choice. The disciples, Luke records, are there with him, and they notice this pattern of behavior in Jesus, and they ask him to teach them how to do just that. They wanted to be like him. Luke 11, one records, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, and he did. Fast forward to the last night Jesus is on earth before his death. And Luke records, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, not just a, a normal and usual place, but a usual behavior, a pattern to follow. And his disciples followed him. 
One of those disciples that we know is the apostle John. He was there and he wrote about his experience as following Jesus throughout Jesus' earthly life. And listen to what he reads. Again, reading from the message. From the very first day, we were there taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes. We verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in the most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing, John says, is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will be double our joy, he said. Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to be with God. It was about spending time together with him, talking with him, listening to him, communing with him, depending on him. Jesus was in the presence of God the Father before this world was created. He came to this earth and yet he still pursued God's presence and engaged with him in relationship. And now he's returned to the Father's presence in heaven. And he's made it possible for you and I to experience his presence by being with the Father. Jesus knew what it was like to be in the presence of God, and that's why he wants you and I to experience it too. Last week, we introduced you to what we're calling the roadmap. It's a resource that we've created that's filled with action steps and resources so that you and I would understand what it means to live and to love like Jesus, and we would know how to by being with God, being with others, and being sent. Almost 500 people have subscribed to the roadmap just in the past seven days. So thank you for those who have. To those who haven't, pull out your phone right now. It's showtime, all right? I want you to simply take a picture of that QR code if you didn't last week, or you should have got a card when you walked in. You can use that same QR code. That's a little techie for you. Just hit your internet browser and go to this website, cccgo.com forward slash roadmap. Once you get there, I want you to hit the subscribe button. That's going to allow you to stay in connection with us as we take this journey of living and loving like Jesus. We've shared a couple updates this past week with those who subscribe. We'll continue to do that so that you have the most up-to-date content. We'll be adding to this as we go. And uh, this past week, we uploaded the Be With God section. Jesus pursued God. He prioritized time with God. He practiced patterns and rhythms that fostered intimacy with and dependence on God. And he provided us an example to follow so that we could do that. So this morning for a few moments, we're going to unpack this be with God portion of the roadmap. And to do that, I'm gonna invite your friend and mine, Mr. Jeremy Locke. Would you welcome him? I think it's so cool how Jesus not only taught us the importance of being with God, but he modeled that in his own life as well. And we felt like, man, if, if Jesus feels like this is that important, how much more important is that for us? And so we dedicated an entire section of the roadmap to doing just that. In the roadmap, being with God is made up of four distinct pathways. So if you have that on your phone, you can kind of follow along there. Or you can see some pictures here as well. Uh, those four pathways are reading and studying the Bible, learning what God is like, developing spiritual practices, and learning the Spirit's voice. 
These four pathways are by no means an exhaustive or comprehensive list of, of what being with God is like. But we feel like in, in today's culture, in this day and age, these are the four things that we need to prioritize if we, if we hope to model Jesus' example of constantly returning back to the presence of God. Um, each pathway you'll find uh, has four steps listed in it. Getting started, taking another step, it says keep going, and then going further. I want to start actually with, with the second pathway here, which is learning what God is like. This is something of a baseline for us as a church to unpack kind of the major tenets of the Christian faith and answering some of the most common questions about the Christian faith. Uh, the getting started step in this pathway is uh, to participate in what's called the Alpha Course. And this is just a series of sessions where we get to watch videos and kind of uh, interact with one another, learning uh, these basic uh, common questions and uh, tenets of the Christian faith together. And over the first 12 to 18 months of our rollout of the roadmap, we're actually going to encourage all of you, anybody who calls Crossroads home, to be a part of an Alpha Course and if there are a few of you who kind of want to get a jump on that, we're actually going to be launching a pilot course that'll take place here this fall. So make sure that you're subscribed and you can uh, be in, informed on when that's going to take place and how you can be a part of it. But, but like I said, over the next 12 to 18 months, it's something that we're all going to be able to take part in together. The next step in learning what God is like it includes reading through the book, Seek First. You might recognize this book. It, it provides a, a robust uh, explanation of what the kingdom of God, the theology of the kingdom of God is like. You, you probably recognize it because we read it together as a church earlier this spring. I think this is a great example of how the roadmap is intended to be self-guided and tailored to your specific faith journey. So if you read this book back in the spring, you might not need to reread it right now, but what you can do is you can go to uh, the going further section of this pathway, and there's a number of books there that you can uh, read through as a continued resource in this direction. But uh, right now, I want to move on to our next pathway, which is developing spiritual practices. This pathway is somewhat of a cross-section of several different pathways um, because much of what you've heard about today as well as what you're going to be hearing in the coming weeks fall under this broad category of what are called spiritual practices or disciplines or, or spiritual habits. And uh, those, are, those would be things like reading the Bible or praying or serving one another, uh, living life in community, sharing in the gospel. All of these things would be qualified as spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. And in this pathway... We learn about the theory of change that is spiritual formation or uh, being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And to help us do that, uh, you get to build what's called a rule of life. And you don't, don't think uh, a, a list of rules for life. No, this word rule comes from the Latin word, which means trellis or lattice. So you can imagine like a fruit vine uh, that grows on the ground. It doesn't produce much fruit. But when it grows uh, on a framework, when there's, when there's a lattice or this trellis or this rule that becomes a framework for the vine, it bears a lot of fruit. And that's exactly what a rule of life is. It, it's not another thing to add on to your already busy list of things to do. It's actually a framework to be able to organize and prioritize our lives around the way of the life of discipleship to Jesus. I'm really excited about this pathway because... It's been really transform transformational in my life and the life of my family over the past couple years. It's not a new idea in the Christian faith. It's actually been around for centuries, but 
because it's new to many of us, I just want to encourage a few of you brave souls uh, to go and give it a try. Go to this section in the roadmap, which is being with God and then developing spiritual practices and watch the teaching and, and get together with some people that you trust and try and craft a rule of life for yourself. And give me some feedback. I'd love to know for you, like, what would be more helpful? What maybe could clarify something for you? Um, you can find my uh, email address on the website or you can just find me on a Sunday. And I'd just love some feedback from you uh, if you want to give that a try. Um, let's move on to the next pathway, which is learning the Spirit's voice. Our priority with this one is one that if you've been paying attention, it's not going to come as a big surprise. You're not going to feel like a lot of new stuff necessarily because we've, we've tried to explore the surface of this idea over the past couple years, especially in our gatherings together. In this pathway, you'll get to participate in learning what it means to recognize God's voice in your life, as well as incorporate it into your regular practice. I think so many Christians make the mistake of thinking that, or I would even say that they operate under the, in, under the idea that when you come to a gathering like this, the way that you hear from God is actually through one person who gets to hear from God, and then it's disseminated out among the masses. But that's actually not the way that church was intended to look. You see, God developed the church uh, to be able to gather, but also to be able to seek his presence uh, personally, like to have this, this one-on-one connection with him. Can you imagine if the church were full of believers who were humbly seeking the Lord, that they were hearing from him and living out what they heard? It would become an unstoppable movement, which is what it was intended to be in the first place, which brings us to what is the primary and arguably the best way to hear from God. And it's, it's, it's the first pathway that's listed there, reading and studying the Bible. This is actually the one that I want to spend most of our time on because it is such a foundational practice. Back in 2004, there was a massive study done asking the question, what church activities drive spiritual growth? And the research group was surprised to find that they were actually asking the wrong question. Because what what drives spiritual growth the most? It wasn't a church activity at all. In fact, it was listed as reflecting on the meaning of Scripture in my life. See, reading and studying the Bible, it was unequivocally determined to be the best way to grow in your discipleship to Jesus. And now this, is, this isn't like a huge light bulb moment. This probably doesn't come as a huge surprise to you. So what seems to be the problem? I mean, why is the Bible the best-selling book of all time and yet so often finds itself collecting dust in the corner? The research group uh, identified two major barriers. They were first a time, making time to read the Bible, and then enjoyment reading the Bible. So if you, to help solve your problem, if you, if you say, I don't have time to read the Bible, then I would refer you back to the rule of life idea, which I talked about earlier. That, that helps create space for that in our lives. But I think for many of us, if we're honest, we don't particularly enjoy reading the Bible. I think that's primarily because of a lot of the unusual language we see in the Bible. Uh, We tend to see a lot of confusing ideas or just a a basic lack of understanding of what it is that we're actually reading about. I think a lot of us, we, we take for granted that the Bible, it's actually an ancient library written by ancient authors to an ancient audience. Now, I believe that, that you don't have to have a PhD or an undergrad degree in Bible theology to be able to get something out of reading the Bible because it's, it's sacred and it is inspired. But I also believe that in an increasingly intellectual society, that a poor hermeneutic 
or it's a fancy way of saying a bad uh, study of the Bible, our inability to interpret and apply scripture can actually become a fast track to unbelief. It can, it can become a fast track to agnosticism and atheism because when we dive into the Bible with a bad reading of the Bible, it tends to raise questions that we can't answer. And those doubts, when they're fed by the culture around us, they can lead to an unbelief in God, or in my case, an inability to love the God that I was reading about. You see, this is, this is a, a bit of a personal moment for me because this idea that I'm talking about has been true in my story. It wasn't that long ago, just a few years ago, where I discovered that, that I loved reading. I always thought I hated reading, but when I got to finally choose the things that I was getting to read, I found out that I really loved it. And because I am a particular kind of nerd, I enjoy popular level theology books. And I started learning a lot of things and they, they pointed me to uh, some of the deeper corners of the Bible, things that I hadn't read before. And so I started reading, reading all of the Bible instead of just the parts that I had read and reread over the course of my life. What I found was I started asking questions that people around me weren't asking. I mean, suddenly, suddenly I felt alone. I don't think that I would have ever called myself an atheist, but like I said before, I started to find it really, really hard to love the God that I was reading about. I don't think I'm alone here. It, it was difficult. So I, I eventually stopped reading the Bible. Eventually I stopped praying and then by the end of it, I, I just lost hope in general. But, but the Lord's been really, really gracious to me. And to make a really, really long story short, I began uh, the journey back into a faith that led me back to the God of the Bible, that, that allowed me to fall back in love with who he is, fall in love with him for what he's done and what he's continuing to do in my life. And an important part of that journey for me was learning how to, to better read these scriptures that before I was so puzzled by. And like I said, I don't think I'm alone. I, I think I think it's important enough that we wanted to incorporate a, a tool inside the roadmap that would allow us to, better, to be better readers of the Bible that we love. And that uh, one of the biggest parts of that tool is using the Bible Project. The Bible Project is a fantastic resource to allow normal people like you and me to be able to, to learn how to do this better. And so uh, what I want to do, uh, a specific challenge for you as you leave uh, into this afternoon, I want to challenge you to go to the roadmap, uh, go to the Being With God section and click on that first pathway that is reading and studying the Bible. And in the Getting Started section, uh, there's four videos. They're about four or five minutes a piece. And they're just going to give a basic overview, just kind of an introduction to how to read the Bible. What is the Bible? Um, so watch those four videos this afternoon. And then I want to encourage you to, tomorrow morning, uh, go to the Take Another Step part of that section. And you can begin a 23-day reading plan uh, for us that we're going to do together as a church. It's, it's a journey through the books of Luke and Acts. And this is going to be doubly important because here in a few weeks, we're going to actually be teaching through the book of Acts. And so this is going to set you up to be reading through it as we're teaching through it together. So I want to encourage you, if, if you call Crossroad your church home, to take this journey with us. I want to end just with a bit of a pastoral moment for you, um, because this is something that I think I needed to hear. And the fact is, these past couple years for, for our world have been a unique challenge. 
I mean, it's provided a radical interruption into our lives. And I think we're starting to see that that, that interruption is not over yet. But C.S. Lewis reminds us that God speaks to us most loudly through our pain. So whatever emotions begin to bubble up when you hear things like stay-at-home order or mask mandate, when you hear that things are, are getting harder again, I encourage you, don't squander the opportunity by pining to return back to what is quote-unquote normal. This is an opportunity for us. I think, think this is a moment in history that will define us, and especially it's going to define the church. Being with God It's not just a nice idea. It is a non-negotiable in the life of a believer. See, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And right now, I think that feels a lot like sowing seed in some really, really hard soil. But I heard somebody say something that I think we need to be reminded of, and that is that hard soil, it becomes holy ground in the presence of God. So don't squander the opportunity Seek the face of the Lord. Return back to this source of life, this source of hope. Because what you're going to find is God isn't a hard person to find. He's right there with you. He's standing at the door, knocking. So let's turn our attention, our affection back to him as we as a church decide, yeah, it's important that we are going to be with God. So Phil, why don't you uh, wrap us up here? So what does a thirsty deer, a crying baby, and an Olympic sprinter have in common? They actually teach us what it looks like to be with God. And they give us what the the magic pill is. It's desire. And it's a biblical magic pill. It's It's a deliberate posture of our heart to say, I want it so bad, I'll do anything to get it. Listen to the words of scripture, first from David in Psalm 42, one and two. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? You see that desire turning into action? Later, Paul says these words. He says, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize. So run in such a way to get that prize. Give it your all to pursue God and to know God and to be with God. And then Peter says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Do you really long for God? Do you really want to know him? It comes down to desire. Matthew Woodley, pastor and author, he writes this. When it comes to our spiritual growth, Desire is the primary fuel. Without it, we're like a car without gas. Sure, we could get out and push the car, puffing and straining to move it forward by sheer determination and duty, but we won't get nearly as far as when it's driven by holy desire to know God and make him known, a craving to drink deeply from God's fountain of beauty, of holiness, of truth, and of love. All those pictures from scripture point to a desire, a pursuit, a longing, and we should emulate them. I think we should emulate Jesus in his pursuit of God. While Jesus had an advantage of oneness with God, 
He took the initiative in pursuing and longing to be with God, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. The roadmap will help you take action steps and provide you with resources for your longing to be with God to be fulfilled with a a deep, intimate, life-giving and fruit-bearing relationship with him. And our prayer is that you'll live in love like Jesus by being with God, by being with others, and by being sent. Let's pray together. God, thank you for pursuing us. God, thank you for creating this world and then allowing us to enjoy it with you, allowing us to enjoy you. God, I thank you that you made that possible. Despite the sin that I've committed, God, you have made it possible for me to have a relationship with you by giving Jesus as an an atoning sacrifice for my sin, for him bridging the gap between you and me so that I could experience intimacy with you like, like he had. He wanted that so much for me, he gave his life up for that to be possible. And not just for me, God, for every person hearing my voice today, every person that's ever breathed, Lord. God, help us not to squander that. Just kind of look at that and kind of say, I've got some, I'm too busy. I've got other things to do. Oh God, would you help us with a longing, maybe like we've never felt before, to experience who you are, to learn who you are, to to experience depth with you that that comes by you sharing your heart through your word and, and giving us direction for our life God for us hearing your voice and being able to distinguish it from all the other voices all the other noise God I pray Lord that our lives would not be ritualistic or mechanic but they would be focused and intentional about you being the center of everything in our life God I pray that because of that that our life and our love would be way more reflective of Jesus than it is right now. And I pray and ask for that through the power in his name. Amen.